Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. News, weather, traffic, money, politics, big interviews and bold opinions. It's what's happening right now. This is Mornings with Simi. Canada has joined with the United States, the UK, Australia, Japan. They've all imposed penalties and sanctions against Russia for its actions in Ukraine, which seem to be intensifying by the day. Ukraine has now declared a state of emergency. Let's find out the latest right now with the help of Crystal Gamansing, who's our Global News European Bureau Chief. Good morning, Crystal. Good morning. Just a a quick clarification. So the recommendation for a state of emergency was issued this morning from the Secretary of the National Council of uh, Security and Defense. That hasn't officially been approved yet, but it it is the recommendation. Okay. And where are you right now? What is happening? I am uh, at uh, the Zheshov Airport, which uh, Zheshov is uh, very close to the uh, Ukrainian border. And this is one of the locations where we see thousands of uh, American uh, military personnel flying in and out, creating temporary bases and and, uh, working on that support of uh, what NATO is calling the eastern flank of, of, uh, of NATO member countries. Okay, and what is the situation like right now for parts of Ukraine? What what kind of actions has Russia taken? Well, we know based on, uh, you know, the terminology that Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau used, which is the further invasion of a sovereign nation, that they are moving troops into the east uh, in what they have recognized are independent states within Ukraine's borders. That, of course, is the reason we see all of those sanctions being issued. Uh, As they continue to sort of move into Ukraine and set up in those areas, we see the world reacting, not only with the sanctions, but Ukraine, for example, moving forward, looking at potentially a state of emergency. We had yesterday uh, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky talking about having to have uh, Ukrainians really get involved in the protection of their country. There will be uh, more service personnel, who individuals who joined the territorial service. They will potentially be called into action. Uh, men who served with the military up to the age of 60 will be put back on the active list and could also be called up as well. So there is quite a bit of movement. And again, we heard in a recorded video address from Ukraine's president last night, um, calling for people to be calm, calling for them to um, ensure their future tomorrow, to, to be active. And the other thing that potentially could happen today in Ukraine, which is incredibly interesting, is they're looking at adjusting laws to allow average citizens the ability to be armed should they need to defend themselves, uh, which is a pretty drastic and, and, and big change based on you know the current rules of needing to apply for a license and, and go through different uh, security and, and, and mental health checks. Right. And what, so with all these sanctions that have also been announced, what, what has been the reaction to that there? 
Yeah, well, many, many uh, military analysts and, and Ukrainian leaders had been calling for sanctions uh, for quite some time. The The hope was that they'd actually come earlier. Uh, however, we are not hearing any criticism, at least not from uh, President Zelensky. He made a point yesterday in his address. He, he almost does a bit of a roll call, uh, sort of mentioning different uh, ally countries. Canada was mentioned yesterday. So not surprising to hear anything as far as criticism about those sanctions. The key will be whether these sanctions by all of these different countries will be enough to put pressure on Russia. One of the big sanctions, uh, one of the big movements actually came from Germany when they uh, decided to pause the certification of the Nordstrom 2 um, uh, transmission line from Russia to Germany. So that was one of those key movements that uh, people were questioning, wondering if, if Germany was going to apply that pressure. Right. Okay. What about diplomatic efforts then? Is that all stopped right now? Yeah, that's a really interesting point because we saw so much effort being put on diplomacy about keeping those talks going. Uh, at this point, there was a lot of focus being put on a meeting between uh, U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and his Russian foreign minister counterpart. That was supposed to take place Thursday in Geneva. That has been called down with uh, the U.S. saying, you know, at this point, based on Russia's actions so far, it just doesn't make any sense. So it's unclear if they're behind the scenes more talks happening. Of course, everyone is saying, you know, diplomacy can still take place. Uh, Russia, uh, you know, not really moving. Again, yesterday we heard from, sorry, this morning we heard from Russian president uh, saying that, you know, they, Russia or Ukraine can avoid all of this, but they have to um, basically do exactly as Russia is saying. And one of the things it wants Ukraine to do is, you know, uh, stop any hope of joining NATO, uh, demilitarize and, and make sure all of the weapons that have been moved into Ukraine over the past several weeks uh, are removed. So at this point, those are um, some pretty big demands. And it, it appears that Ukraine is not willing to budge on any of those. All right. Well, thank you so much for the update, Crystal. You're welcome. Take care. This is Mornings with Simi. Well, today is Pink Shirt Day, and I know there are people out there who wonder about the impact of it. Well, that's why I think it's so important to take the time on this day to tell people about the hard work that gets done, the kids that find a safe haven, the kids that just find somebody to listen to them. And that's the hard work that's done because of Pink Shirt Day. So joining us right now is Carolyn Tuckwell, the president and CEO of BGC South Coast BC. They were formerly known as the Boys and Girls Club. They have been a recipient organization of Pink Shirt Day grants for, well, quite a few years now. Carolyn, welcome back. Thanks so much, Simi. Let's talk about the great work that BGC does. Like, where does, how much of an impact does Pink Shirt Day have on the work that BGC does? Oh, it is, uh, it is a huge support to our work uh, on a daily base, basis across the year. And we have been part of this from the, the very first year. CKNW invited us in as, um, uh, to, to, to stand beside and, and to help. And, and we've, been able to really amplify the messaging around how kids can make different choices uh, to be kind to each other in order to, um, you know, to get on better, to be better together and, um, and have grown as a result. Yeah. Tell me about the, the after school programs and the neighborhood clubs. Yeah, so we run 11 clubs across the Lower Mainland where kids can come every day after school. And 
they're really meant to be a place for kids when they aren't at home or at school to have more of an experiential kind of learning. Uh, so not so much curriculum-based, but a place where they can come be with their friends and under the supervision of our staff through um, programming that for our staff is curriculum-based, but it doesn't feel that way to kids. We help them to explore um, these these opportunities to learn about how, in particular, around Pink Shirt Day and anti-bullying, how to interact with each other, how to get their needs met without harming each other, how to support each other if they see someone being bullied. All of those lessons um, are things that we that we're able to touch down on every single day in our clubs. And, and so over the years, what we've seen is a shift from kids experiencing bullying and their parents thinking it's just a rite of passage to kids actually speaking up and understanding that it's not right and it doesn't have to be that way. Um, and as we've talked about every year, silence really is the enemy here and, and we're arming kids uh, both through our clubs and, and way beyond that um, with what they need in order to speak out, to speak to someone they trust, um, and to change those patterns for themselves and others. I love that you say that they're learning, but they don't know that they're they're learning, right? <laughs> Is that, that's so important with kids, so important with kids. So how do you train your staff members as well? Because that's that's an important like lesson that they have to impart. Oh, it sure is. And, and I'm glad you asked that. It's really, I mean, we pick, we pick young people in particular who have a gift of seeing the best in kids, um, no matter how challenging they might be. We always say every kid is amazing. And when they're not showing up that way, it tells us as a signal that something in their life isn't working for them. Um, and, uh, and for our staff, it's really, um, it's, it's as important as, as, as feeding healthy snacks, it is, uh, and, and they embrace it. They understand the importance of of helping kids to make choices where they interact well together. Being kind to each other isn't just a suggestion; it's it's an expectation in a context in our clubs of of respect for self and others. And and what we find because we measure this, we measure what what the experience is like for our staff as well. We learn that it's circular for them. The experience of, of teaching and modeling and mentoring kids to actually be kind to themselves and others actually helps them to do it for themselves and their peers right. more as well. Well, I love it. It's so great to talk to you every year. Keep up the great work, Carolyn. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much, Simi. Happy Pink Shirt Day. Happy Pink Shirt Day to you. That's Carolyn Tuckwell, President and CEO of BGC South Coast BC, formerly known as the Boys and Girls Clubs. And let's talk now about the important work that gets done on Pink Shirt Day. We wouldn't be able to do it without the CKNW Kids Fund. Sarah Dubois-Phillips is with us, the Executive Director. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning, Simi. How are you? I am good. Thank you. I'm geared up. I'm ready to go here. So tell me, how important is today to the work of the Kids Fund? Well, you know, today is so important and, and, and especially like what you were saying earlier about what's going on um, in the world right now and, and in Canada, what we've seen over the last few weeks. I think the importance of um, being kind and empathetic and understanding that everybody is having, you know, a tough time. It's been a tough couple of years. So what I think is fantastic <clears throat> about Pink Shirt Day, <clears throat> excuse me, is um is truly the fact that we are just raising awareness about like let's just lift each other up 
And, and obviously, it's resonated this year for the first time ever. We've sold out of all of our shirts. Really? Online. Yeah, yeah. Online and, and in London drug stores. So, yeah, it's, it's working. Well, that, you're, I think you're right, though, that that's what people need to hear right now. So when, you, when that was decided to say, hey, here's going to be our message this year, was there kind of a, a universal feeling of, yes, we need to do it this way? Yeah, no, definitely. As I say, I mean, we've obviously now that we've gone virtual um, for Pink Shirt Day, <clears throat> um, cyberbullying is, is on the rise. Um, we just, as I say, we just need to get the message across. And I think that we're doing that through our partnerships, through the community who we support. It's, it's resonating. You know, all the years that the CKW Kids Fund has been doing this, so Sarah, like, do you think there have been changes? Do you think behavior is changing among kids? Oh, I definitely think that change is behaving. I have um, two kids and two stepchildren, and they range in ages, and their awareness is huge. I think, um, I mean, unfortunately, I think that bullying is still prominent in schools and in the workplace, but definitely I think that um, we have been able to, you know, let people know that this is an ongoing issue and we need to do something about it. Right, and I'm sure there's certainly no shortage of demand for help on Pink Shirt Days. How do you decide which organization gets help? Well, you know, again, there's a lot of organizations who are worthy. Um, Kind of the last couple of years, we've really obviously supported the Boys and Girls Club. The Crisis Center is a really big one. Mental health is a huge issue right now with the pandemic. Um, Again, it's it's a process who we support, and and we have a, a, a grant application process, but we really go for those ones that we think that are doing the most good in society. Oh, that's a tough, that would be very, very tough to decide. Uh, well, listen, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Okay, well, thank you. And please remember, you can still show your support by making a donation online or by giving, um, mobile giving. You can text Be Kind to 20222, which is new this year. So there's lots of ways of showing your support. So thank you to everyone. Well, today is Pink Shirt Day, and one of the things we like to do is to show people and tell people about where all of this effort goes, the people that it helps. Joining us now, Brock Shepard, Program Manager of the Autism Society of BC and the recipient organization of a 2021 Pink Shirt Day grant. Brock, thanks for being with us this morning. Thank you for inviting me. Happy to be here. Well, tell me about the work that the Autism Society does. The Autism Society, uh, we call it Autism BC. We've been around since uh, 1975. Uh, So we're the oldest autism charity in BC, uh, if not in Canada. And the Pink Shirt Grant, uh, we have been recipients of this grant for 15 years. CKNW has uh, helped support Autism BC do its social programs. Um, specifically with the pink shirt grant, uh, we put that towards the Autism BC social clubs uh, for children and youth across the province. And so they get to have outings, they get to have activities, and that's where that goes? Uh, Well, we put that towards our Minecraft social club, the Pokemon club, our sibling support groups, uh, and a program called Young Adult Social Time. So it's spread across a few different activities that we do, uh, and the grants provides uh, dollars for activities, uh, online 
programs. This year, we were actually able to purchase materials, craft materials, and send them out so we could do uh, follow-along different activities. Um, and we were able to build uh, a new program, actually, in 2021 with uh, a partnership group called Elysium. So, so we transferred our Minecraft Social Club to be an online version, uh, and we connected with, with two very talented Minecrafters, uh, Serene and Michael, and they had a, a team of volunteers, and they helped us build an online safe space uh, for people that wanted to connect in a video game world. So they actually built us a server, and uh, they moderate this server, and it's the server's online. Uh, it's available for anyone in British Columbia from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. every single day, uh, and we welcome youth that identify as being autistic or have ADD, ADHD, anxiety, uh, other learning disabilities, and no formal diagnosis is required. Um, and having a moderated space, having an online space that people can come and connect, it, it really builds and fosters healthy self-esteem, uh, which is really in line with the core mission of, of Pink Shirt Day yeah. funding. Um, but it also builds that expectation of like, if I'm trying to connect with others and I'm trying to connect with others in an online space, what are my expectations? What are my non-negotiables? What are the things that I should expect in fostering good experience and building friendships with other neurodiverse children and youth? You know, what's amazing about that, Brock, is that you make it sound so simple, right? These programs, these, these, the ability for kids to connect in this way, but they need the positive aspects of that. And is that what, what Autism BC helps do is that, listen, we're going to make this a positive space. And what kind of an impact does that have? It's, yeah, people are asking us, like, how do we have these safe spaces? What is a safe space online? Um, what are areas where I think that my children could go and feel less isolated, alone? How can they build a social network of friends, maybe something that they're not experiencing in, in school? How can they not feel judged? Specifically with Minecraft, uh, it's difficult because I don't understand too much of the game, so I needed like uh, other people who, who knew it a lot more than me. Um, but if you can moderate the space and then you can have protected build spaces or you can have um, no stealing of other people's boxes or if you die uh, in the game, then your none of your materials are taken away. I was like, oh, these seem like little things, but in a protected server, you can do that uh, and you can help people be able to come back to the space and be like, nice, this is good. I feel I feel safe. I feel connected. Um, and specifically, like we had somebody from Prince Rupert that was able to connect with someone that lives just outside of Vernon, um, and they were able to like share their Discord and be able to connect outside the club and be like, this is happening in my school. Is this happening in you? Um, I don't feel connected with my peers, and they were able to have that connection where that's really expanding our reach to mm -hmm. our social groups, which used to be very um specific to, to centers or, or locations. Right. So like our, our social group on the South Island or in Richmond. Uh, and if you were living outside of that area, it was, it was harder to find that social and peer-to-peer -peer connection. I love this. I love the work that you guys are doing. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'd love to hear um, about it. Is there a website quickly that people can check out for more info? Yeah, if people wanted, they can check out autismbc.ca uh, slash events brings you up to different programs or events. Uh, yeah. we're, we're very happy that CKNW Foundation has been supporting the Autism BC social programs for over 15 years. I we'll love the work that you do. Thanks so much, Brock. That's Brock Shepard, Program Manager of Autism BC. Remember those stories about when you were younger and you felt like you were being bullied and to make sure that doesn't happen with your kids or other kids for that matter. And part of that, of course, is all the activity that we do on Pink Shirt Day, such as letting people know you support them by wearing a pink shirt. One of the great places, of course, that you can get those shirts is at London Drugs. Joining us now is Clint Malman, who's the president and CEO of London Drugs. Good morning, Clint. Good morning, Simi. How are you? I am good, thank you. And listen, thank you once again for being an outstanding Pink Shirt Day partner. I hear that you guys were very busy this year selling pink shirts. Yeah, we sure were. It was another great year that our customers really stepped up. Um, similar to the last few years, it looks like it'll be a, another $200,000 in in. Uh, various merchandise that was sold and so we're thrilled to see that come through again this year. Isn't that amazing though because I know you've been partnering with us for years on this. Have you really seen it grow? Yeah you know London Drugs has been a supporter since 2009 and uh, in all the iterations his pink shirt has grown both in terms of the the numbers and types of items have been sold so it's great to see the uh, funds going to the CKNW Kids Fund and and just listening to all the great societies that it's going and people that it supports it's just wonderful. Now Clinton why is it important for a company like London Drugs to be involved for such a long period of time? What is Pink Shirt Day to London Drugs? Well, I think it's London Drugs has always had a philosophy that our communities have been wonderful supporters of us since 1945. So it's very important to us that we give back to the communities that have been so good to us across Western Canada. So this is one of the many programs that we are very passionate about. And I think especially during the pandemic, when so many people's lives have been disrupted, uh, it's some of the issues that are well reported. Um, it just makes it even more meaningful right now. Is it tough for some of your frontline workers too? I mean, they've seen a lot in the last couple of years. Yes. I mean, it's obviously when the the term bullying and harassment is used around Pink Shirt Day, uh, unfortunately, we've seen a tremendous amount of uh, poor behavior towards not just London Drugs employees, but all retail workers. And it's very unfortunate. And and we're hoping that through generations of education that uh, you've spoken about this morning, that those type of behaviors in the future will be seen as totally unacceptable. Yeah, we hope so too. But listen, thanks once again for your support. We appreciate your time this morning. Thanks, Simi. Clint Malman, President and CEO of London Drugs, an amazing helper and worker for us on Pink Shirt Day. They had such high demand for merchandise. They said many of their stores sold out of Pink Shirt Day merchandise, which is great to hear. And it is a good reminder to be kind, lift each other up, be nice to those retail workers, especially, oh boy, after what they've seen the last couple of years. Uh, Another big supporter that we have had for years is the BCGEU. Joining us now is Stephanie Smith, the president, to talk more about that. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning, Simi. Now, I know you've provided, the, the BCGEU has provided sponsorship since, what, 2013? 2008, actually, I think. Wow. Okay. Yeah, what? no, a long, oh, maybe it is 20. You know what? I, you're probably right, and I'm probably wrong. 
No, we'll just say it's a long a time. Very long time. We'll say a long time. What keeps what keeps the BCGEU involved in this? What what does the union get out of this? Well, you know what? I mean, I think uh, our union, the BCGU and labor unions in general, are a perfect fit for Pink Shirt Day. Um, you know, Clint, your previous caller, talked about the bullying and harassment that uh, not just his uh, workers have been seeing. But, you know, we represent 82,000 members in 550 different collective agreements in every economic sector in the province. And unfortunately, bullying and harassment doesn't end at the playground. Um, you know, we, we've seen it at work. And so um, every worker has the right to a, a safe and healthy work site, and that includes psychological and mental safety. And our job as a union is to make sure that employers are providing that safe and healthy workplace. Do workers know that, Stephanie, over time? Has there been enough discussion for them to be able to speak up and say, this is what's happening to me? Well, I mean, certainly I think there's a lot more awareness. Um, you know, now uh, workers' compensation, there are regulations around bullying and harassment. There's a, a lot more conversation. We're in bargaining right now, in fact, with, uh, you know, our public service members who work for government. And it's it's been a challenging discussion, but we're working to improve uh, bullying and harassment language in that collective agreement so that members have the processes they need to report. And, you know, I mean, our members in healthcare, uh, you know, they're being told not to wear their scrubs. Um, you know, as, as Clint mentioned, retail workers, our members in public liquor stores are being bullied and harassed simply for asking people to do the right thing and wear a mask. And, you know, your colleagues see me. We've seen what's happening to members who work in the media who, again, are facing verbal and physical assaults. For what? For doing their job. So I think... Days like Pink Shirt Day, where we talk about bullying, the impacts of bullying, not just on children, but on workers, um, are so, so important. That is so true. Listen, Stephanie, thanks for your time again. And as always, thank you for the support. Thank you so much for having me, Simi. This is Mornings with Simi. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With everything that is happening in Ukraine right now, it's understandable that so many people in the Ukrainian community here in Metro Vancouver would be feeling pretty anxious about watching what is happening. Our contributor, Raji Silhol, joins us now with more on that. Good morning, Raji. Good morning, Simi. Yeah, I think, uh, gosh, people everywhere all around the world have been losing sleep over what's happening in the Ukraine right now. But the community here in B.C., has been watching it uh, with bated breath for some time now, a couple of months, but then especially this week, the last couple of days, and what I've heard the most from local Ukrainians um, these days is this assertion that they feel Putin might be getting away with trying to rewrite history. And that uh, when he said Ukraine was invented by Lenin and created by Russia and that whole song and dance that uh, Putin did this week, um, that it's made local Ukrainians in Ukraine, as well as uh, their family abroad, assert this idea that Ukrainians um, 
have their own country, that they have their own culture, their own history, language, territory, and that it's not a part of Russia. And they seem very united on that, even uh, as they live far away from Ukraine. And I'm also hearing that they are, they're saying that this is a story that of we've been here before, but that something is different this time with the world's eye on what's happening. And some even suggest that what's happening actually could could be a positive change for Ukraine's future. Um, and I spoke with Miroslav Patry. He's the president of the Vancouver League of Ukrainian uh, Canadians here uh, in Metro Vancouver. And he had a different perspective. He said the events uh, that have led here uh, could be to the possible, like, legitimate liberation of Ukraine. We broke away from uh, from what was in effect the, the Russian Empire in uh, in 1991. But since then, the, the, the you know the self identification was weak. There was still some nostalgia for the Soviet Union, whether it was justified or not, is another matter. But basically, it, it was a nation still in search of itself. And in a very strange way, Putin is doing a favor in uh, in consolidating the nation, which was not really all that consolidated, uh, you know, years ago. Um, so that's a, that's kind of a very interesting phenomenon. So just just the threat has made a huge difference right now. I'm hoping that you know the the integrity of our borders holds, and in fact, uh, long term, I'm hoping to get the lost lands back, and that includes Crimea and includes, uh, of course, the the portion of Donbas. So that's Miroslav Petru. He's the president of the Vancouver League of Ukrainian Canadians. And he's saying that the people uh, who have family back in Ukraine and, and they themselves are now living in Canada, living in Vancouver, are they're fearful right now what's happening there because they obviously you know, don't want anyone to lose their lives over this. And uh, war with Russia would result in that, obviously. But they're, they are hopeful for how much um, locals in the Ukraine uh, will be able to assert themselves um, on the ground. My hope would be that the United States declare a no-fly zone. Uh, the Ukrainian military weakness is in the air. Our air force is is, is more symbolic than than, than real. Uh, and, and you know, compared to to the Russian air force, uh, you know, we're outnumbered. Um, I don't know, five, six, seven to one. So if there's an attack by ballistic missiles, uh, probably no way to stop those. Uh, Putin, you know, on the ground, Putin is walking into a trap. Uh, we're looking at a military that personnel-wise is either number one or number two in Europe. We're, we're looking at uh, 255,000 troops. And Simi, I talked to some Ukrainian uh, community members here in Vancouver who were saying that their family members back in the Ukraine or their their old neighbors, former neighbors, that kind of thing, are arming themselves. And we've seen these images also uh, in the news online. And learning, I mean, some of them are learning how to use uh, guns, for example, for the first time. I mean, it, it happened already in 2014. That's, that's when... Uh, Putin uh, annexed Crimea and, uh, and started the invasion in, uh, in East Ukraine. So, uh, um, and, and that had immediately, uh, that followed immediately after the revolution of dignity, as we call it. Um, so I think the revolution also had, had a big impact in, in consolidating the nation. 
but uh, Putin basically reinforced it by, uh, you know, taking advantage of uh, momentary chaos and grabbing pieces of land. Well, the positive change has already happened. <laughs> okay, so now, now what we, we need to do is, is, is to hang on to that positive change at minimum expense in, in blood and treasure. So if, if we can somehow convince the Russians to leave the Donbass and to leave Crimea without have to do it, having to do it uh, militarily, uh, that would be wonderful. It's, uh, that's a pipe dream, though. That's so interesting, Raji, because I was as I was listening to him speak throughout, I thought, oh, he may be a bit too optimistic on this situation. Pretty optimistic. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, the Ukrainian community here in Metro Vancouver, as anxious as they are, I, I think they got they kind of have to hold on to some hope right now. We see uh, sanctions, big sanctions, important ones that are not just symbolic coming through really strong now from the international community. That international pressure is there. But um should we still fear that Putin doesn't care about that pressure? That's what it comes down to. Yeah, but if anybody had listened to his speech that he made oh, yeah. the other day, I think he pretty much laid out to the Ukrainian people exactly what he thinks of where they belong, and that is in Russia. So I do feel that the gentleman there was probably a little more optimistic in terms of people recognizing Ukrainian identity than is what is actually going to happen. Yeah, and so often out of these kinds of movements, you see people reaffirming their identity, as we see now in the Ukraine. And people are um, coming out with even stronger declarations of how they have their own identity and their own language, and they deserve to exist as such. So here in Vancouver, there's a couple of events that are being called community rallies to stand with Ukraine. So I wanted to highlight one that's coming up on the weekend on February 26th. It's at 1pm in front of the Vancouver Art Gallery. And it's going to be people from the Ukrainian community here, but they're also asking others who would like to show their support for Ukraine to, to come out and join that too. Okay, that's going to be interesting because I have a feeling there's going to be a lot more of these types of events pop up, don't you think, as we see events unfolding? Yeah, at this point, Simi, I mean, gosh, we, we know um, the threat of nuclear warfare is always, it's, it's always there anyway. But at this time, when Putin seems to be, I mean, by what most uh, followers are calling, um, I mean, not all there right now, like really willing to throw out well, that's worrisome, isn't air. it, though? Like, I heard descriptions that, like that, too, of the way he was speaking. People were like, what is it? It's like different reality. It's like an alternate reality. That's even almost more frightening, if you think, right, than him being very cold and calculated about this. Yeah, so often we, I mean, we've already seen so many images in the media of him before behaving really calculated, you know, like he's got a strategy in his mind and, and executing every word very carefully. Not in this case. He he seemed like he was just going for it. I don't know if you noticed that he was like kind of twiddling his yeah, fingers on strange. the yeah. table. It was very kind of oddball behavior um, mm -hmm. and also belittling his uh, staff publicly like that too. Uh, it was very undermining. Uh, these are concerning times, um, but I think there is something to be said for uh, Ukrainians that, that live abroad, that live here, um, pulling together yeah. in solidarity and, and standing in uh, with their community.